Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well... Oh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. Hey, friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a girlfriend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Guys, welcome to the second episode of 2020, episode number 279. And today, my guest is Natalie Green. She's a connector who values friendships and getting things going. Natalie and I have shared several mutual friends forever, and it's been a joy for me to watch her journey with the work of Africa New Life. On today's show, we talk a lot about this great organization and share more about this trip that I'm actually a part of next week. I am actually heading to Rwanda in just a few days. It's my first time. I'm so excited. I'll be traveling with my son, Caden, as well. So that's super exciting for me as well. You'll hear us talk about during the show that we have a goal we're trying to meet. And I want to invite you to join me in supporting the work with Africa New Life. We're going to visit their community programs and we're going to raise money to ensure that every student has their stomachs filled with good food for them during the year. Food in Rwanda becomes more expensive each year and Africa New Life will serve 2.5 million meals this year. To ensure the best care possible for these kids and the families in crisis, we need your help. Every dollar buys food for our students and their families. You get to be a part of this happening. We're going to talk about it a lot on the show today. And I want you to visit africannewlife.org slash food dash four dash tomorrow. Again, that's africannewlife.org slash food dash four dash tomorrow. If you cannot remember the link, head over to my webpage, jamieivy.com. We always put all the links up and we'll definitely put this link up for you as well. But check out that link to partner with myself and my friends Several of them have been on the show. You remember Jamie Nato, Rachel Proctor, Cezanne Hendricks, and soon to be guest in 2020, Alina Pitts is joining us as well, along with some other fabulous ladies. Don't miss any part of our time in Rwanda. Follow along at the hashtag food for tomorrow. Again, follow me on Instagram and I'll show you where all these other ladies are on Instagram and you can follow us all. On today's show, Natalie also shares intimately her journey to motherhood. She's a single mama to three boys, and each son has a unique story to how they have entered into her family, and it was such an encouragement to hear Natalie share her story. Okay, friends, here's my conversation with my friend, Natalie. Natalie, welcome to the happy hour. Thank you. It's good to be here in your tiny house. It is a tiny house. And I liked my name at the door when I walked in. It says the happy hour. Natalie. Isn't that fun? It's very cheerful. We change it all the time for everyone that comes in. How many people come out a week? Well, we do our podcast, so we will batch record. This is good. A lot of people wonder this. And so the week that you're sitting here, I will have done six interviews this week. That's cool. But you're like getting yourself through the holidays. Six interviews in two days. Oh, that's a lot. It's a lot. Do you have someone after me? You're the sixth. I have like some other work and another meeting, but you're okay. the it. You're it. Yeah. And then welcome to the weekend. Welcome to the weekend. I know. So we do a lot of batch recording only because if I were to have someone come in here every week, we I, I travel, you know, all yeah. the things. And so it makes a lot sense. Done. Yeah. Yeah. We're so, recording this before Christmas and it's January 8th. 
Right. So if I asked you how your Christmas was, you can't even tell me or you'd be lying. I can't lying. tell you yet. And I have some exciting things between now and then and then right after that. I know, I know. Okay, so introduce yourself. Tell everybody who you are, what you do, and you're what your family looks like. Yes, okay. Well, my name is Natalie Elizabeth Green. Um, I am the mother of three boys and they're awesome. Um, I have two little boys who live at home with me and you've met them. So Jude is six and Hayes is two. And you've also met... Um, our big brother, Chusa, who is 24, and he's in college at Warner Pacific University in Portland, Oregon. But he's from Rwanda. He's part of our family. I so we've got it. the I'm three. Gonna hear that. I'm going to hear all three of their stories. Yes, you are. By the end of this hour, and I can't yes. wait. And then we live um, four blocks from my parents, and so that's super fun. My sister also lives in town with her family, so we're all here in Austin. I love it. And I work for African New Life Ministries um, for the past 10 years, and so I am the Director of Strategic Partnership, and I really do— Friendship. I mean, that's my job. Is that's your that? What a cool job title. It Here's is my job title. Friendship. Yes, we say at African New Life that ministry happens at the speed of friendship. So that's I love that. That's how we do life. So you're a connector. I love it, and yep. that is my name in Rwanda. It's called um, in Rwanda. My colleagues call me Mahuza. Uh-huh. And it means the connector. Really? Yes. Because they see you doing that? Yes. I love you that. You don't get to pick your name. That's something It's given they, to you. Yes. Do they give everyone a name that comes through there or just people no. that work for Okay, I was gonna. I was hopeful that I would I get a g- new name. I think you'll get one. Okay, I would love to have a name. That would be <laughs> so fun. Okay, you work for African New Life. The coolest thing, we're gonna talk about your family, but we'll just let everyone know yes. that this is releasing on January 8th. In just a few days, I'll be with you in Rwanda. Yes, and I'm thrilled because we've been talking about this for a few years now. And it's my first time. I've been to a handful of other uh, countries in Africa. Right. Uh, but I've never been to Rwanda. So you have yet to be bit by the bug. It gets, in, it gets in your blood. There's something special about Rwanda. And then you're going to be able to tell everyone what that is for you. Because you'll have a comparison, which is really cool. And I'm not saying that other countries are not great at all. Yeah. But Rwanda has a story. And that is, well, okay, everyone has a story. But Rwanda has a profound story that I think um, affects people differently. Because really, it's a country about reconciliation, redemption, resilience. And there's a lot about Rwanda that is really profound and amazing. So I think of all these R things whenever I think of Rwanda. I think of redemption, reconciliation, resilience, forgiveness. Um, And I think in everyone's life, they've had to grapple with or or they are going to have to grapple with forgiveness. Um, And Everybody, yeah. no one's immune to that. Yeah. So whether it's a hard relationship, whether it's your relationship with the Lord, like wh- however it is, is that Rwanda, there's something special about it that really allows people to go there. I think it unearths things in people when you see what this country has been through and how they have come out of it and where they are today. I always say to people, I feel like what has happened there is such a witness to the world. Mm. Um, And I feel like our country has been going through so much, even when we think about civil war. Mm -hmm. And if we've come, you know, what, however level of how far we've come, Rwanda has just shot past it and has so much to teach us. Um, A lot was happening at this time in Rwanda that we didn't know about over here in the States, but genocide was happening and there was a war within the country among 
two tribes. And um, there are three tribes in Rwanda. Rwanda is the size of Maryland, very small country, East Africa, landlocked. And they had lived in harmony for years and years and years and years, you know, and um, colonialism came on in and disrupted harmony, which sounds familiar. And they had a genocide where almost a million people were killed in three months. That's what we know about 1994. What what really is the truth is that the genocide happened in the 50s. It started in the 50s. And what happened was people started moving out of Rwanda. This tribal war started in the 50s. But it was a very long time where many lives were lost between the 50s up to the 90s. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes, and you're going to be going— I'm going to learn all about this. Majorly. Yeah. You're going to go to the memorials. You're going to go to some sites where people were killed in mass. Um, and you'll see where the history and the stories of different things that were happening in different parts of the country, even our president and founder, Pastor Charles, his family, where they were from, a, a certain region of Rwanda, region, sorry, of Rwanda, they had to leave in the 50s. So he actually was born in Uganda as a refugee because his family had had to leave oh, Rwanda wow. in fear um, in the 50s. And when did he come back? He came back after the genocide. So he grew up as a refugee his whole life in Uganda. And he came back after the war. His father in the 90s was part of, he came behind the troops and he helped clothe and feed the troops as they entered from Uganda down into Rwanda to stop the genocide. So when the genocide stopped, they got word in Uganda and he was the eldest of the family. He was sent down to go find his father and and find out if his dad was alive or not. Was he? He was alive. Oh, good. He found him in Kayonza, which is the birthplace of African life. Oh, my gosh. And his father said to him, I'm never leaving my home country again. Send for our family. I'll be right here. I'm waiting for them. And so they all came down and that began their life in Rwanda. Wow. Yeah. You know, I've um, had, I don't remember in, you know, 1994 when this happened in, right. we were in high school. I don't remember it. And for a lot of reasons, A, I have a bad memory, but B, I don't think I was aware of right. the world and see the internet, all the things, right. you know, it was a little bit different time and day, but I would say probably about eight or nine years ago, I read a book called Left to Tell mm-hmm. and I don't know how I picked it up or where it came from. Mm-hmm. And it's always been on my, one of the best books I've ever read list. Oh wait, you need to get Immaculate here on your podcast. We're gonna yes, do that. Yes, I do. We're gonna do that. I've met her twice. Phenomenal. Let's invite her. Yes. Okay. See, you're the connector. And she is remarkable. Her story Where is, is she? She's still in Rwanda? She, no, she's up in New York. Oh, well, I'll just have to go up to New York to yeah, find her. Yeah. That book is one of the best books I've ever read. Yes. And it's the book I say, oh, you should read this if you're going to Rwanda. Like, yes. this is it. And um, I'm going to have Caden read it Good. before yes. we go to Smart. Rwanda. Yeah. So I read that book and it kind of, it gave me my first glimpse into mm-hmm. the genocide and what happened. And I highly recommend the book to all you guys, if you want to read it, no matter if you want to Rwanda or not, it's such a great read. A hundred percent. But that was the first time I ever really remember hearing about Mm -hmm. the genocide. Yeah, and I think her story is remarkable. Read it. Um, She survived in a bathroom with many people hidden um, in the 90s, you know? Like, this is not like- Yeah, yeah, unbelievable. Right. And the thing about just the history of all of this is that we, well- sorry, to backtrack, right before the genocide of Rwanda that happened in Rwanda, the genocide against the Tutsis, they, there was a huge issue in Somalia. So Black Hawk Down, which some of us are familiar with. Again, it depends on your age, but there was a big thing where American troops were killed in this mission. 
So this is before the genocide. This is before the genocide. So what happened was our, our government got shy, gun shy, to go, literally, to go in um, and do anything because of what had just happened in Somalia. Wow, okay. I know. Well, I saw that people were commenting and I was like, oh, I wonder, I always think about what people are thinking as they're processing through that and having gone so many times. And I feel like every time I walk in there, there's a different layer and, and different way to look at things, you know? And I was looking at the comments of what people were saying, and I can't remember what the person said. It, it had something to do with, can you believe this happened in the 90s, you know? And her response was that, yeah, we were all watching the OJ Simpson, Nicole Brown trial mm. at the same time, which is really- Crazy. Yeah, really crazy and really sad. And it is crazy when I think, I mean, I told you earlier that I didn't, don't have a lot of memory of hearing about this, but I have very vivid memories of the Simpson trial and right. the jury and the Bronco chase and the glove and all the things. Right. And then no idea about what was happening what was around happening. the world. And, you know, I've been going for the past, well, I went in 2007 for the first time. So let's do math, but that's like what, um, 12 years ago Yeah, for the first time. Um, and, I've been through the genocide memorials, different sites so many times, but there's a, a new one, a new one that I had never been to. And I just went to this summer. It's called Campaign Against, um, Campaign Against the Tootsies. And in this, you really see real time, everything that was happening leading oh, wow. up to the genocide. And it's fascinating. Because and, I mean, when you're saying all this, I think of Rwanda genocide, for some reason, I think something snapped and in three months, a million people were killed. Right, no. This was like percolating. Years of building Years, up. yeah, it was. And and the timing of all these things and then Somalia and Black Hawk Down, yeah. and it was, you know, it prevented our government from going on. But finally, finally, yeah. there was this, you know, well, it was multiple things. It wasn't just our government. Our government didn't stop it. There were, there was actually, it was, you, we got, I'm going to take you to this. I mean, I can't wait. <laughs> I'm really going to take can't. you to this memorial because it's it's fascinating and you see how their president, um, President Kagame, was in Uganda and was building up this army to go in and go down and stop it. And they they stopped it. Wow. From inside. Uh-huh. And it's, it wasn't uh, It wasn't like a U.S. came and yeah, stopped it at yeah. all. It was that, and they're called the RPC, and that is. I think that is, I think I would have read that in the book about right. them. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and they, I'm going to read that book again before we go. Yeah, because it's that good. It's it that is. good. It reminds me what I'm excited about seeing the memorial is I remember how even as an eighth grader seeing the Holocaust Memorial uh, Museum, mm-hmm. what we call it, memorial, in um, New York City, D.C. D.C in DC and the way that moved me. Right. You know, as a 14 year old. Right. It says something. Yeah, yeah, it says something. And I'm looking forward to that um seeing what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That day when we take people through and we'll do it on Sunday. Well, when you first you're getting in like a Saturday night. So that Sunday morning we'll go to church at New Life Bible and we'll go eat. And then I'm gonna take you there. And it's it's a hard day. Yeah. You know, I bookend it with something full of joy. Yeah. Which I'm not going to tell you. Right it's a now. surprise. It is. But, um, okay. Well, so let's talk about the trip for a second. Yeah. Um, you and I are going. Yes. You're in charge and I'm along for the ride. <laughs> and we kind of put our heads together and invited a bunch of people. We threw out a bunch of things and here's how we landed. I'm going to tell everyone who's going on the trip. Okay. Okay. Suzanne Hendricks, mm-hmm. which my listeners know her because she's been on the show. And if you were at Happy Hour Live in, if you were at Happy Hour Live in August, Suzanne was there. 
Which you came to that one, didn't you? I came to the, to Ruth and Rebecca, who have been to Rwanda with me. Yes, you came. So the night I went before. to theirs. Yeah. I should have gone both nights. You should have gone both nights. So Cezanne Hendricks is coming. Kate Bowman, which mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. what's her Instagram? Lone Star name? Southern. Okay, she's coming. Rachel Proctor, who's also a friend of the Happy Hour, was just on this past semester. Jamie Nato, who has long time ago been on the Happy Hour. She's also been a Happy Hour live guest, and it's still one of the episodes that's one of the most shared. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Go back and listen to that. That's cool. Alexis Gabriel, which I do not know. You don't either. Kristen Johns, which I do not know. Same. Same. Uh, And then myself and you. Yes. And my son. Yes. He will And Jamie's son's coming too now. Is he really? I forgot to tell you. Oh, I am so excited. So he'll have a friend. How old is he? He's like a teen boy. This is perfect. It's going to be great. This is perfect. Because I, you know, I Caden would be fine. And I'm happy for him. And I'm going to have him bring his camera and get all kinds of experience, you know. It's but fun. he actually will turn 16 in country. Oh, okay. He's going to have blow torches on his cake. Okay, really? Yeah. Okay. It's like no thing. no candles. They're like the, they're like fireworks <laughs> okay. on the cake. Okay. It's going to be fun. Well, he turns 16 in Rwanda, which uh, I think is a great way to spend your 16th oh, birthday. Truly. So, so I'm super excited. But- You've been asking me about joining you guys for Rwanda for a long time. Yes. We have so many mutual friends who have gone. You just mentioned Ruth and Rebecca and Jenny's gone and Tasha's. I mean, yeah. so many of my friends. Esther and-, and All of them. Yeah. Rwanda. And it's never been able to work for me. And this came up and I was like, yes, this sounds amazing. Um, so tell everyone, because mm-hmm. you know the trip for us is obviously we invite these people. I mean, full transparency is we want to bring people who can spread the word of what Rwanda's, of what African New Life is doing. Yes. We want to get into more Instagram pages. We mm-hmm. want to get into more home. We want exposure because yes. that is how ministries are run. Am I right? Right. So we're inviting these people to help and come along with us. And we have a couple of goals and missions. What is What are we doing yeah. on this trip? So we're going, we're going to be focusing on food. Which and is so, like my favorite thing in life. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's why I thought of you. Thank you. But for real. Thank you. Aaron, Aaron cooks. In fact, right now I went over there in between interviews. There's something stewing in the oven. Yes. How good is my life? Okay. That's awesome. Um, Yeah. You know, we always, every year, African New Life, we have different projects and programs and um, a big piece of what we do is child sponsorship. With that said, you know, we have a big food budget, as you can imagine, with serving over 10,000 kids in child sponsorship, plus their families. We're in seven communities where we have a church in every community and there's mercy ministries within that. Um, There's a hospital, we have a seminary. All run by Rwandans. All run by Rwandans. So over 500 employees of African New Life in Rwanda, all Rwandan. There's about 23 of us in the States. And a big piece of what we do in the States is we just want people to know what's happening in Rwanda. Um, We're not running it. We're, We're in partnership with our colleagues and it's founded by Pastor Charles. Um, Which just to make everyone clear is the same guy you told us who was a, a refugee yes. in Uganda. That's right. During the genocide, and then his dad went back. Okay, that's right. And Putting so all the he, pieces together. Right. And so African New Life was born out of what he saw when he came in after the genocide to the country. He saw. If you ever talk to him and hear him, he would tell you what he saw, which was he saw people that were not living on the side of the roads and all over the place. He saw, you know, everything burned down and just destroyed. And he saw many, many, many children who were left without families. And he said, you know, Lord, I'm here. Like I feel, he, he'd already been called into ministry. And so he knew that his mission now 
was right there and starting right there where his dad was, which was Kayonza. Well, it was in the late 90s. And then um, African New Life was founded officially uh, here in the States as a 501c3 in 2001. Okay, got it. And so- um, So almost 20 years. I mean, 19 years founded. We're about to have our 20 years. Exactly, which is super exciting. Um, And so essentially one of the things that, Obviously, so it started with kids. It started with a tiny preschool. That's where in Kayonza, tiny preschool, he got nine, he sponsored nine kids himself, him and his wife. They took money that they had made that they were gonna buy a house. And instead of buying a little house, they started the ministry. And then he also took pictures and he always, it's the cutest thing because he'll say, I put all the kids on a floppy disk. (laughs) Yeah, I remember. Because that was the day and time. And he came back to the States with about 20, 23 kids, I want to say, uh-huh. um, who needed to be sponsored. And he just started telling people because he was going to grad school, at seminary, not, I mean, yeah, in Multnomah, okay. at Multnomah yeah. in Portland. And he started telling people. So really the ministry came to be and was founded there in Portland. That's why we're headquartered there. We have some board members there. His first actual touch point in America though was to come to a conference in Texas. So we actually, it was, he's- Welcome to America. Exactly, Texas first, then <laughs> yeah. Portland, which is kind of fun. Um, but, and so we have board members in both places from the very beginning. But um, all that to say is that so much of what we do is child sponsorship, but we have these schools and and churches and there's need for food. There's deep, deep need for food. There's lots of statistics that we can look at um, that have to do with, you know, just severe stunting that's happening across the country, uh, particularly in the rural areas and how this affects brain development and how this affects schooling for children. So you'll find little ones, you know, repeating grades um, or falling asleep in class because they haven't had anything to eat. And um, and just period, everyone needs lunch at school. I mean, Uh that's universal. And so that's what we're gonna focus on. We're focusing on school lunch and why? Because children need it to grow and to learn and to thrive. And so um, a few years ago, we recognized within African New Life that we only do work in Rwanda so that the cost of food was getting more expensive. The cost of everything was getting more expensive because we're we're landlocked. Um, the border, sometimes it can be hard. Like even this last summer, the border was closed between Uganda and Rwanda for a while. Um, even in Congo, it was closed a little bit here and there for d- various reasons. And then also just that there's not enough land to farm for food in Rwanda. So because of these issues, to buy food, to have it imported and brought in or you know, to grow it, there's just some challenges. And so procure food in three ways with African New Life. We buy it locally, we grow it locally, and we ship it in. Okay. And people will say, why are you shipping in food from the state? So it makes sense. We we only do it strategically and responsibly. Mm-hmm. And we do it to bring in high protein, high nutritious kind of like stuff to to mix in with the stuff that we're buying locally and, and that we're growing. Yeah. So it's a combination effort and um, costs 83 cents a meal, you know, and we've got, with child sponsorship, what happened was that it, the price was gonna grow. It was gonna get more expensive. And we weren't able to do, um, keep making child sponsorship more expensive because people don't understand that when you're looking at larger organizations, they get to average the cost among many countries. Right. But when you're working in one country, you can't just keep letting the price go up, even though that, that's legitimately how much it costs. Right. They don't understand the nuances. Uh-huh. So we said, you know what? We're going to pull food out of our budget, but we're still going to feed the kids. Fundraise for it. And we're going to fundraise for it separately. Got it. And we're going to tell people why. All the reasons I just told yeah. you. So um, in our campaign, our goal is going to be to raise $75,000 while we're on the ground and- We can do that. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
These happy hour listeners are I legit. Actually think a, I think we could go for a hundred, but that that is seventy five is our goal. That's right, it's our goal. Um, our budget, just for perspective, is five hundred thirty five thousand dollars for the year. Okay. Um, for food, for food. So that's eighty three cents for a meal. We serve. We'll next year we'll serve more than one point eight million meals in our schools, um, and we raise about seven hundred thousand dollars for that food. Wow. Um, yeah, through gifts of food. We get, sorry, we give that out. So what happens is, um. We do it in two ways. We have school lunches, and then we also give food to families uh-huh. in crisis. Okay. Um, so not all the time, not growing dependency. Right. This is kind of, this is what the social workers do. They keep a pulse yeah. on what the need right. is. Just like a food Which pantry is what a Exactly, yeah. would do, exactly. That's right. So $75,000. Yes. That's the first time I've heard this number. I know, I meant to tell you before we recorded. I like it. Okay. I like it. Okay, so here's how people can follow our trip. First yes. of all, in the show notes, we will give you every person that's on the trip their Instagram because we're all Instagram lovers. Yes. Follow us. On the show notes, we'll also have a hashtag. Follow it. And then just follow along and see what we see through our eyes. And then we invite you to give. Like we invited, we're inviting you to give one time. If you want to sponsor, if you want to give it for monthly, that those are both awesome. Right. If you want to give one time, that's awesome as well. Yes. All of it. Right. It all is value add, obviously. We have a big goal and we're going to reach it. Um, but that is what, you know, with child sponsorship, a lot of times people will say, I don't know what my job's going to be, or I don't know if, if I, I can commit to 12th grade. Yeah. Right. Like I can't, I don't want to start with a kindergarten and not be able to stay with that child till 12th grade. This is perfect. You can sign up monthly for food. And, you know, if it doesn't work for you in time, then you can stop that. But it's kind of gives, particularly young people or people in ministry or people who aren't sure about, you know, their financial scenario with jobs. And a that way to be involved still. A way to be involved and to jump in. Yeah. And then um, you become part of an email, you know, list that's not annoying and we don't give out emails or anything like that, but you'll get updates. So yeah. you'll be hearing about what's happening specific to food with African New Life. I love it. Okay, yeah. and the last thing I want to tell them about this trip before we talk about you and your boys, is Milk and Honey Teas. Yes. Which if you've been a long time Happy Hour listener, you know Milk and Honey Teas mm-hmm. because they used to, um, I've done stuff before with them on the show. And yeah, they've been at your lives. They've been and- at my live events. Like we've just been fun partner friends for a while. And Mandy and her team are doing some great stuff over there. Mm-hmm. And Mandy and Milk and Honey Teas are partnering with African New Life. That's right. They have a t-shirt for us. Yeah, they do. You it is tell so what it cute. Says? You tell them. It says, ladies who lunch. How fun is that? Because it's going to be awesome because there's here's ladies who yeah. want to go around and like raising money yeah. for lunch. For and lunches, so, yeah. Um, it's fun because we thought also it, it would give people here in the States opportunity to buy it and the profits, the proceeds go to this campaign specifically. Oh, good. Um, and ongoing to yeah. this food budget, ongoing, you know, as long as she has the shirt. Uh-huh. Um, Mandy's a dear friend of African New Life. We've been friends for many years. Love her so much. She supports our women's um, ministry. And so the proceeds of, of a the lot business of her, yeah, go for to, years yeah. have you know come to African New yeah. Life. So she's a dear friend. Um, she's excited to partner with us on this shirt, and so we'll have that up and ready. You know, by the time this airs, and that if you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here, and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike, and it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. 
If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Kind of thing. I love it. Um, okay, let's switch gears. Yes. Let's talk about Natalie and your boys. Yes. So that's my favorite topic. It's your favorite thing to talk about. Yes. Your boys. Yes. I would like to say that all of your boys, all three of them, have come to you in quote unquote non-traditional ways. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Okay. I was like, that's not mean, right? It's true. Oh no, it's a fact. It's a fact. <laughs> it is a fact. <laughs> yeah. So let's go in order. Yes. Who came first? Chusa. Okay. Tell us um, how you met him. It's just that the relationship evolved more into a mother-son relationship actually a little later, but he did come first in that. Um, so I met Chusa because I started sponsoring him when he was 13 years old. Like with, through a child sponsorship program African with African New Life. So I went on staff 10 years ago, literally, and I went and a colleague of mine heard 
um, me saying that I wanted to sponsor a child now with African New Life because I'd been sponsoring with another organization. And in my mind, at this point, you know, I was um, single, come from a girl family, and I had already sponsored a little girl in Rwanda. And I thought to myself, I was just going to get another little girl. Like I was going to go look for a little preschool girl. That's what I had in mind. Uh So she heard me say I wanted to sponsor a child. And she came over and said, "Um, well, I have this student I want to tell you about. And she told me about Chusa. And essentially she was saying, you know, his mom just passed away. His his dad passed away when he was a baby in remnant fighting of the genocide. And um, he's number one in his class. He just sat for exams, sixth grade, P6. And um, there's an age and grade discrepancy because he had been displaced for a little bit in school. And they were like, you know, he was number one in his class in these exams. And he wasn't going to get to go to sixth grade. He had been there through another child sponsorship organization that had like gone under. And so he wasn't going to get to go to sixth grade. And the teachers and the headmaster and boarding kids, like some kids that actually pay to go to this school that can afford to pay locally, they all took an offering and paid for him to go to sixth grade because they were like, this kid is amazing. He needs to fit, you know, yeah. sit for these big exams that happen in sixth grade. So they put him through. He tested number one. Then simultaneously, right after that, I come on staff with African New Life, know nothing about him. My colleague hears me, says that, comes over. I said, oh, I'd love to meet that sounds like, I mean, I've been a teacher. Yeah. That sounds like a kid that needs to keep going to school. And um, and she said, I'm going to have him come tomorrow. And I said, well, I'm going to do it. You know, like I'm going to sponsor him. So she told me his name and his age. And the next day they called him in. It was on school holiday. He was just waiting. What I did not know is that he had moved in with a an aunt and uncle who the aunt had converted um, to Islam. And she had said, I'll send you to school, but it has to be a Muslim school. And he said, no, I'm a Christian and I believe in Jesus. And my mom raised me to know Jesus. And I am, I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna have faith that God's gonna provide. I had no idea about any of that. Hmm. I come on staff, I'm there in January, I'm training. My colleague tells me about him. They call him in, he shows up and he's wearing his uncle's trousers, long sleeve shirt, sweater vest, shoes, it reminded me of Big, the Tom Hanks. When you put on clothes that are too big. Yes. Like when you put, yeah. Yeah, when Tom Hanks like mm-hmm. shrinks to the kid. Yeah. It was like that. And he showed up like his bet, his is, best foot, yeah. you know, forward. And I had already said yes, but it's like he thought he was like trying out, yeah. you know? Yeah. And um, that was the first day I met him. And it's incredible because it's been, you know, January will be 10 years. And um, to see what God has done in his life, it's just amazing. So he, he, Entered into our boarding school that next year for seventh grade, S1, senior one. Because he had a sponsor. That's right. He wasn't going to be able to go. He was literally going to be done with his formal schooling at that point, unless there unless was something. Unless he went to the school that his aunt was going to send him to. That's right. And he's refused to, yeah. Right. Yeah. Which was also a stretch there and could have been hard, you know, yeah. not could have been broken up. But um, all that to say is he entered in. This kid, my son, became the student body president his senior year, worship leader at the church, just incredible, self-taught on a guitar. I brought him a guitar a few years in and he started by ear, taught himself how yeah. to sing yeah. and and play the guitar. And um, he loves to dance and just an amazing kid. You know, like the thing about him though, is that he was always wise beyond his years. He always loved Jesus so deeply. Mm. And he's been such an, I've been inspired by him 
How did the transition go? Because this is not typical. And if you're listening, no, it's this not. is not why you sponsor Thank kids. Thank you for saying that. Yes. And I, it even bothers me being an adoptive mom. Yes. When people say, well, do you want to adopt a kid? Right. No, you're, you're not. not. <laughs> no, you're not. You're not. You're, you're spending $23 a month. That's right. So, you're yeah. sponsoring that student. Yes, exactly. And that is a huge difference. And thank you for saying that. Because I, and I, I mean, I'm being honest here. I have to be careful about that also with my role because this is not normal. So it's not because so when I- when did that switch happen that's for right. you and That's right. So I, I started traveling there very regularly because of my work. Yeah. And because of that, we got to form this bond. And really it was that he, he was my sponsored student, yeah. you know, for, well, not mine, but he was a well, student- Well, you sponsored him. That I was sponsoring. And I've met my uh, kids that we sponsor. That's right. The same thing. So I would go visit them. Yeah. That's right. And so we were building this relationship. And in the midst of this, Jude came along. Um, and so, and that's my other son, one of my other sons. So, but in the midst of this, because we were spending so much time together and as he grew older, it really just- organically happened. And I remember where I was standing, but I was walking down the road and he called out to me and he called me mom. Mm. And he said, mom, actually, M-U-M. And he had never called me that. Yeah. And, you know, just hit me. So I would say over time, and then we we didn't know what the future held at this point. We had no idea that he would get into university in the States. You know, I would joke with him because he would say, I'd love to apply. And he's so smart. And I knew he had he had a chance. He yeah. really did stand a chance, um, a good chance. And, and I said, well, you know, the beautiful thing is you got me. Yeah. And <laughs> the unfortunate thing is you got me. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, like we're going to just have to Be like together. wait this on is, the yeah. Lord and really see if he provides and opens doors, you know? So yeah. we're just going to take a step at a time in faith. So long story short is he, the Lord totally opened doors for him to come over when he graduated from high school. A, a, less than a year later, he got admitted into his hill in Comfort, Texas. Okay. So Torchbearer's like school, uh-huh. and it's a one-year Bible program. It's a great gap year program for people okay. who are not sure what they're going to do after high school and after college. And so he came and he did this Bible school program for a year. They bring over international students as well. And um, and then while he was here, he got accepted into an ELP, an English language program at the University of Texas. And he just like hit the ball out of the park on that. And then we were able to apply um, for universities, now. yeah. He actually had a little stepping stone at another school and then to this one. Yeah. But this is is the right fit and he's just thriving. He is, um, in fact, I was. we were sitting there, I was waiting for you looking at him doing the the Christmas chapel at his school, I leading it. it. I love it. Um, on Instagram, he's got a beautiful voice and he's just doing phenomenal. And he's such an amazing big brother yeah. to these little guys that I have at home. Yeah. So Jude came along in the midst of this story too and that um, I knew... You know, I, I was approaching 35 years old, single, never been married, and I would love to be married. And I still think I will be. But I knew that a clock was kind of ticking a little bit on motherhood right? in some ways if uh-huh. I wanted to do certain things, yeah. like whether it was adoption or whether it was biologically having yeah. um, a baby. But I knew that I I hopefully have many years to meet, you know, a man of God. Yeah. And I kind of had this come to Jesus thing with me and— and I took some time. I really prayed about it. I, I actually sought some solace. Like I went to upstate New York for a winter and then came back. And then I went to Nicaragua the next fall. And I was working from these places, but really just sitting before the Lord and yeah. going, okay. And talking to wise counsel in my life. I was talking to Pastor Charles, talking to my boss, talking to my parents, talking to my mentor, Jerry, talking to my pastor in New York yeah. City. And everyone was just so on board, you know? Just, Natalie, you've always talked about wanting to adopt You've helped so many of your friends adopt. You've been there in these stories with them. Just go for it, you know? And um, I prayed and felt that peace. So I I went through, um, I actually did a domestic adoption here in Texas. People will often think that Jude's adopted from Rwanda because of my work there, but um, 
at the time, Rwanda adoptions were closed. And I um, just, through another friend, was introduced to a, a small agency in Houston that was willing to work with me. Yeah. And um, just an amazing experience. And I had no idea when he would come. I finished the paperwork. You know, I started it in, a, in September, finished paperwork in December. And I had no idea. My friends planned a baby shower for me in January. And, just saying, hey. And, oh, sorry, in February. Yeah, just in faith. Like, you're paper pregnant yeah, yeah. is what they called yeah, it. Uh-huh. Like, let's just have a party. Let's celebrate, yeah. And so, literally, I get a phone call on a Thursday. And the party was going to be on Saturday, the shower. And my agency called, and they were like, he's here. Can you be in Houston tomorrow morning? So this is what we call Insta Mom. Yeah, really. And I jumped in a car the next day with a handful of my closest friends. It was a van, and we went on down to Texas. I mean, to Houston in Texas, and we, um, I met my son. So he was a few days old, and it was just like I was so ready. I cannot even tell you, like. And my best friend, Carrie, she's always like, I will never forget your face that day because you were just so, she was like, we were all emotional and we were all like, and you were so focused. Like, I was like, I'm coming for yeah. my baby. Yeah. You know? Like, And um, so Jude, you know, came to me and literally the next day he was at his shower. You went to the shower the next day with him? With him and no one knew. So literally he was like, hey, he saw his umbilical cord on, you know, like he was fresh out of the hospital. And my Parents were standing in my friend's room um, and, and she had tied it off. My friend Missy had like tied it off with this darling little bow with a little sign that said like, you can look, but don't touch, kind of like a museum uh-huh. room. So my parents are in there holding Jude. and But people were like coming up to the door and it was like, she put a sign on there like Natalie and Jude, like Natalie and cursive and Jude and block. I just remember that yeah, so well. Uh-huh. And a little sign that said like, you know, please no pictures. And people were like, what? What is happening? So they Good came friend. to the shower just to celebrate you not knowing yes. that Jude was there. No. Yeah. Or they, any baby. I mean, yeah. At all. That is so And they fun. come in and he's there. And my girlfriends, Elizabeth Giddens that morning, or um, had got up and went, got a cake and on, it was a big cake and it said, hey, Jude. Yeah. I love it. I and love it. So fun. So after you had Jude though. Yeah. That, so, you know, I don't know if this is the case with everyone, but, you know, some, I grew up with a sibling. And I really valued that. And I was, I knew I wanted to have more than one child from the beginning, if God willed. Um, what I didn't know, and even when I had Jude, and I, I didn't know that I would have another one the way I did. I still kind of thought, well, I'll probably, maybe I'll meet someone. Uh-huh. And then be able to biologically try, because that was a desire of my heart. And it was also a desire of my heart to adopt. And this goes back to junior high. Yeah. Well, the desire to like birth a baby came to like little girl where I would like pretend to nurse baby dolls. Um, And so kind of time goes by. And again, I went through this little journey of like praying and being kind of quiet before the Lord. And I knew in my heart, I wanted to try naturally to conceive. And that was a little out there. Yeah, because people are like, you're single. Yeah, like what? Uh-huh. And and some people probably had a problem with it. Did anyone tell you they had a problem with it? No, no But way. you think people would? Oh, yeah. Because they would say it's not like how it's supposed to happen, that kind of yeah. thing. Would that be the pushback? Yeah. Yeah. And um, I get that. Yeah. I get it. I mean, I do. And the, I desire that for my, I desire my kids to have a father. Yeah. Um, it's not that I don't have that desire. Yeah. I do. Um, but- I, you know, sought wise counsel, prayed and had a peace. And I just thought, you know, I'm going to try. And if it happens, um, so I did an IUI with donor sperm. And I was like, if it happens, it happens. IUI is um, intrauterine insemination. Okay, okay. Oh, that's a fun word. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And the thing about it was that um, everyone has their different 
I'm talking with my hands here and you can't see, but everyone has their different convictions of what to do. So I'm not speaking about anybody else. This is Natalie. This is Natalie. For me, my conviction was that if I could conceive through insemination, that's what I was going to uh-huh. do. Um, and if I couldn't, then I was going to move forward with a second adoption. Got it. And let me just tell you, sitting here right now, I wish I could do both again. Yeah. I would love to adopt again, and I'd love to. I mean, I'm almost 42, and um, I mean, I'm I'm full capacity. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I, <laughs> I don't think I could, but I would love it. I would. I've always wanted lots of yeah. kids. That's my heart. So I, I hope I'll have a lot of grandchildren. But um, it's just funny how it all happened. But I I did go through. So I went through this process with my doctor. I went and visited him. He was like, "Let's do this," you know. And he was so wonderful. I didn't, you know. He's like, "We don't know if you can." easily conceive or not. And I did easily conceive. First time? Um, third try. And okay, I, is that normal? No, oh. that's fast. Oh, that's fast. That's real fast. So three months? Three cycles. So three one-shot times. Okay, okay, got it. You know, like- So this isn't, excuse my ignorance. No, This isn't okay. how when someone- um, Does IVF? Yes, and no. they end up with triplets. No. Not the same thing. Got no. it. I just was like, took an ovulation test at home when it was that time of the month. Like when I was ovulating, it said I was oh. ovulating. I went into the doctor's office and he just put a little tube and- So the other one is they're putting it's, eggs that are already matched. That's right. In you. Got, I got that's it. IVF. Thank you for the yeah. medical uh, yeah. terminology schooling right quick. I'm here for it. I'm sure you've done that a few times in yes. your life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, kid, and there's all these like acronyms and stuff. But all that to say is that that's where I, that's where my conviction level was, was like, just kind of was a delivery issue. Uh-huh. I just needed the delivery of the uh-huh. sperm. Yeah. Um, and so that's what the doctor did. And the third time I got pregnant, which is really fast, um, in this, from what they told me. Um, but I did miscarry, which was really hard. And that's a hard thing to go through. And um, I had gone and and it was, I had seen the heartbeat of the baby at six weeks. And then I went back in. Well, and at six weeks, they had seen two sacs, which is kind of crazy, um, amniotic sacs. But, and we saw one heartbeat. So the doctor was like, I just want to prepare you. Question. Okay. That would be fraternal. Okay, keep going. No, I guess it could be identical. No, it'd but be fraternal. But they only saw one heartbeat. Fraternal. They only saw one heartbeat. Okay. So they thought it would be fraternal because there were two sacs. Okay. Separate. And so they saw one heartbeat. And so he was like, I kind of want to prepare you. Like when you come back in next, we may see two heartbeats because this is still really early. Oh, so he was saying he might be able to see the one right yeah, now. Yeah, okay. right. So, so when I went in at nine weeks, the thing I was thinking about was- Twins. Twins. I was not thinking about no heartbeat for, of any- Right. So it was just like, and I just, you know, I went numb and quiet and, and huh, I didn't have anyone with me. I was going to ask if you were And it alone. was the biggest mistake. I, I don't know what I was thinking. I, I think I just, well, I wasn't thinking and I wasn't thinking um, that it was going to be something like that. So I remember going out to my car and just, I had no emotion at that moment. And I went home and talked to my parents and I was sad. You know, I, I called them. I was living in Hyde Park at the time. I was and I just remember kind of going to bed and knowing that I was going to have to come in the next morning and do a DNC because um, I had so much fluid because now I'm nine weeks, but there were two amni- amniotic sacs. So it was just kind of further progressed. And um, when the doctor came in that morning before the surgery, I started bawling. And he was like, I'm so glad you're crying because I couldn't stop thinking about you last night because you just didn't. People normally like just show emotion right but then. But you kind of were a little numb. I was numb. Yeah. 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 So that was hard. And so then when can you so, try again after yeah, that, so the normally, next cycle? Yeah, you could. You can try the next cycle. Um, I decided to, it was coming up to summer. 
And we spend our summers in Rwanda, generally speaking, um, with my kids, with work. And so I was just like, you know what? I'm going to take a break. Like, I want to make sure that I don't want to— Have to deal with—think about this or what, yeah. And I just—I didn't want to—again, everyone has a different journey, but my kind of conviction was like, I wanted to kind of process that a little bit. And I knew I was going to try again, but I just—I wasn't in a rush. I mean, I think one thing when you're 35 and single, at this point I was 39 and single, like, I, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm an expert at waiting, but I'm comfortable in waiting. You've had to wait. I've had to wait uh, for many things and a lot of things. So I wasn't like, get me the next cycle. I was like, let me make sure that I, and I also wanted to make sure my body was okay and all that. So we went to Rwanda and had an amazing summer, you know? And then we came back and Jude went to kindergarten or no, 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 he didn't go to kindergarten. He went to pre-K. And um, I tried again in September. It didn't happen. Tried again in October. Got pregnant with Hayes. Okay. So then sweet baby Hayes arrived in July. Which would have been the second try. Second try. Which is also fast. Very fast. Okay. Which is such a blessing. It's such a blessing. And so, so you did not go to Rwanda the next summer. You had a baby. I had a baby. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And it was just amazing. It was so, I'm just so grateful to the Lord that I've been able to experience motherhood in these different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like three very non-traditional ways. Totally. Yeah. And you know, and I can say that as an adoptive mom. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's just but it is yeah. It's not the the typical. I not definitely not use the word normal. It's not the typical way. Right. I'm going to ask you a question that um I'm only asking cuz I'm your friend and yeah. I think I know what you're going to say, but I also think everyone listening is thinking this. My kids that are through joined our family through adoption mm-hmm. have questions about where they came from. Yes. How do you as a mom walk through that with two completely different scenarios? Right. We'll just talk about your little boys. Okay. Because your yeah. older boy knows, like, you know, he's yes. fully aware of his life. Yes. If you're two little boys, how are you navigating those conversations mm-hmm. with your boys? I know. So we're just starting them, I feel yeah. like. I mean, with the baby, I still call him the baby. He's two, yeah. but he's, you know, I've bought some books for him, for his unique story. I feel like- Are there books that play out the yeah. way your story played out? Well, no. Okay. But- Yes and no. Okay. There are a little bit with IUI and donor got sperm. It, and stuff. Got it. Um, but um, and so I know this. This is just the truth. I have a little more time with him before we go there, to which I've sought counseling. Um, and so with Jude, it's been I love counseling and therapy is a beautiful thing and has been very helpful for me in navigating this. Um, I think a lot of the advice I've been given, which I'm sure you have been too, is you know answer truthfully, age appropriately. 100%. And so that's what we do. Yeah. You know, when he asked me questions, and so I, I'll tell you the most recent um, thing that I can think about, we were picking up payway, you know, like Chinese takeout. Yeah. And um, Jude said, I wonder if we'll ever meet my birth mother. And I said, yeah, honey, you know, like, I don't know either. We have a closed adoption. Uh-huh. Um. I've left the door open, but uh, so it could happen or not. I don't know, you know, and, and we'll, we would cross that it's bridge. Her decision. Get that. Her decision if she wants to. And and we I certainly would would welcome that. Um, and so we would just go, you know, work with my agency on how to go about that. So he said, I wonder if we'll ever meet her. And I said, Me too, you know? And um he said, Do you know what she looks like? And I said, I put the car in park because I was reversing and I drove back into the parking spot grabbed my phone, jumped into the back seat between my two boys. And I said, I do. Let me show you a picture of your birth mother. Is that the first time you've seen it? First time. Yeah. How did you have it? 
I had it on my phone from the agency. Okay. And you know what? I forgot that I had it. Because he's like, a baby and that you're not right. throwing, you're not showing babies pictures no, on the No, and, and because it wasn't like the, yeah. I mean, I had, because I didn't get to have, I just have that. You know, like I only have a little bit and that's the only picture I have. And so- What was his reaction? He said, she's so pretty. I said, yes, she is. And then he said, um, you know, it's so hard. Yeah, it is. It's really emotional. And I said, you know, she took such good care of you and loved you. And, and you know, the greatest gift um, is her yeah. and you. Uh-huh. And so it began a conversation of, you know, um, it, in the same time. So his, his birth mother is white and his birth father is black. And... Um, that's also something that's going on for him at his age because he is biracial. And I know you're familiar with that. And so, you know, I think it's the first time it registered for him, like, oh, my birth mother is also white, like you're white. And like my, my brother. Yes, and like my brother, yes. And so there's these things that are connecting these dots. And then, um, and he's really embracing it and proud of it. You know, he's so proud of his brown skin. And he says, I have mocha latte skin. And um, and so we're we're talking about, um, adoption, birth family, and we're talking about skin color and race all right now. This is really the beginning. This is it. You are in the beginning. Yeah. I have walked this road a lot. So you're going to be on speed dial. <laughs> yes. Um, has he asked questions about Hayes? Yes. He, he, well, no, not in the same sense of he'll just say like you were, he'll talk to Hayes about it. He'll okay. say, he'll say, you know, Hazy, you, you were, do you remember when you were a mama's tummy? You know, I came, you came out of mama's tummy and, and I did not come out of mama's tummy. I came from her heart. You know, these are little, yeah. and they, little things that, you know, kids grab onto that yeah. they hear. And, um, and we talk, and I'm trying to be just very technical, even with sex education. Oh, yeah, like in the, in the are, bath. We are the penis tub. vagina family same. around here. Yeah. Same. And so, um, except for, you know, Jude still says vagina. He I like it's it. A that, that's great. Let that's him say it. It's so, hilarious. But he knows the real word, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. You're like mispronouncing, but that's fine. That's great. <laughs> um, so, anyway, but yes, yeah, so the same. Like, I just feel like if we start these conversations now, and I'm just open and nothing is shocking and I'm just immediate to respond and give answers, then I pray and hope that this will be our journey. I think you're doing the, the best thing. It's just- A hundred percent, yeah. It's so, it's we got to lean into yeah. it. I think for me, when my kids were younger, because our family looks different, like your family looks, the kids' questions were not difficult for me. Like I could handle those and we address them just like you said, Truthful, age appropriate. Mm -hmm. And we still do that with a 15-year-old. Yeah. The things that were hard for me were strangers' questions. Sure. In in front of your kids. In front of my kids. Now, this is what I was going to tell you is those were really hard moments for me. And in the early days of parenting, I did not react well. I was pissed off. It would bother me for days. I would think bad thoughts about the person. And then I kind of grew into security in my motherhood, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um. Because the the major question was, do you know his real mom? And that just bothered me when mm-hmm. I was, you know, 27 years old. I didn't mm-hmm. take that very well. It doesn't offend me now because I know what they mean. Yeah. But my point in saying all that is things change when your kids get older because they're not asking questions. No, strangers are not asking questions to me about my old kids. Yeah. Does that make sense? Well, it's like they have an awareness that they're listening. Exactly. But yeah. my kids were listening then. You, totally. They just don't, strangers don't think that. Yeah, and that's why you got all mama bear. I did get all mama bear. I'll tell you the one time, the most mama bear I got, I was in, I'll never forget this, I was in Old Navy in the checkout line. And I'll, I only had at this point, Caden and Deacon. Caden is my oldest, who's biological, so he's white. Deacon, 
our first child we adopted is biracial, just like your Jude, mm-hmm. white birth mom, black birth dad. Mm-hmm. So we're standing there in line and um, a woman is behind me and she said, are both of these boys yours? And I said, they are. And she goes, oh, it's pretty obvious. They have two different dads. Mm. And I said, nope, they have the exact same dad. And then I was like, and then I turned around and I was so mad. That would have gotten me too. But just like, who has the nerve? Yeah, and it's loaded with judgment too. It's so loaded with judgment. I mean, I don't have a wedding ring on, you know, and Uh and I can only imagine what people think, but I- You probably been asked if you were babysitting. Have you been asked if you were babysitting? Yes, for sure. Definitely. And that's always funny. (laughs) I I think sometimes too, when Chusa and I are together, which is so funny because I mean, I'm 41. I'm not like, I don't, you know, but like sometimes I think people are looking like, is that the dad of like, (laughs) it's just so old to like, or like trying to figure it out. Yeah. I mean, it's so confusing when we're all together. Yeah. We haven't had a moment where someone's been so bold as to say, but you can tell, I can only imagine what they're thinking. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm, (laughs) I love watching your family grow and, it's it's so exciting and I'm excited to go to Rwanda with you. I am too. And and they love going and being there. They come in the summers. You know, one thing that I think has been uh, unique in this journey too is that when I look at a lot of people who are doing um, ministry in the same way, like a lot of time their mothering came young, like in their 20s. And then now they're out and about doing all the things that they're doing, yeah. traveling and their kids are older. Yeah. And mine is sort of flipped. The opposite. Yes, yeah, so I'm kind of like, where are y'all out there? Like, I, there's gotta be some people that are have young little ones who are solo mothering um, out in the world. If you're there, they're gonna come find you. Come they're find me. And they're gonna come yeah, find you. Yeah, because I want to. It's like I want a little support network yeah. together. Of just like, so we're you know a lot of times like you'll I'll encounter so people will say this to me and they don't know I'm a mom. They don't see a, a ring on my finger. They don't know me, and they'll be like, "Oh, I can't come to Rwanda. I've got small kids," and they don't even know who they're talking to because right. like <laughs> you know like, I take my kids with me to Rwanda. Yes, yeah. you know, and granted, it's my job. I get that, but but just that whole thing of like God's really taught me a lot in that and just kind of like. Actually, we can. We can say yes to things, and no matter what season we're in. Yes, there are times we have to say no to things, 100% too. We have to have boundaries. There's right times for our family, all of that. But I do like to challenge people to really, are you saying no because you just think it, but it could be a yes? Yeah. Or are you saying no because that is the right thing? Well, you think thing? something about your season disqualifies you. Exactly. Yeah, yeah I yeah. get that. I remember feeling that the first time I went out of the country when I was a mom. I had a one-year-old and a two-year-old. Yeah. And I thought, who le- who, what kind of mom leaves their kids to go to a third world country? And I went to visit Haiti. And um, after a lot of just like prayer and contentment and asking Aaron, I came to the cl- conclusion that a mom who loves Jesus and a mom mm-hmm. who's on mission and a mom who wants her kids to say, my mom wasn't afraid mm-hmm. to go do big things. And that's where I landed. And, and Jamie, look at your family. Me. Yeah. And now I have two kids there. Who never? That would have not happened. I know. It's so crazy, isn't it? So I have one more question before I find out what you're loving and reading. Okay. Can random people go to Rwanda with you? Oh, yeah. Okay, y'all have trips? Oh, yeah. You just go on our website, visit Rwanda. It says that. And we have all different trips and all different kinds of teams. And um, we do vision trips. We do trips where people can come meet the child that they're sponsoring. And then we have different focused trips, whether that be medical or teacher training. That's so great. I meant random people. You know what I meant? Like, yeah, people that are, you're not putting a trip together. Okay, oh, tell 100%. me what you're loving. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader, too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? 
Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. I've been a reading. Okay, so loving. Loving right now this week, um, Beauty Counter. You know, I'm a fan of Beauty Counter. Yes, yes. we both are. Yep. So we have this in common. We've talked about it. So the CEO and founder, Greg Renfrew, woman, um, founded Beauty Counter, and she testified as an expert witness this week um, at a House committee on Capitol Hill um, about cosmetic and skincare reform. And I am just, on, I am on fire. She yeah. got me all inspired. Uh-huh. Because um, really, if you think about it, like there was this whole interchange between um, uh, someone in the house, on the House committee and the FDA. And they were saying, um, does the FDA have to disclose, or do, does the manufacturer of baby lotion have to tell the FDA what's inside of it? No. If there was something that was causing harm and reactions in baby, does, do they have to tell the FDA? No. I mean, it's all this whole like volunteer thing yeah. of like, if do they have to recall a product if they know that it is affecting the health of young babies? No. There's These are no, our laws right now. Correct. Yeah. There's no regulation. So it just made me passionate because I love, I love also doing beauty counter. Solo mother, you got to get creative yeah. on all the things. And so I work full-time with African New Life and I work for beauty counter and love it. And that, it just gets me fired up. I have to have purpose in what I'm doing. I mean, I think we all ultimately do if if we love what we're doing and we're passionate, it makes it that much better and going out and doing the work, yeah. you know? And so I feel really fired up. I was really excited that about that. That is fire up a bull. Yeah, so go watch it. You can just Google it and, okay. um, and or we could link. We'll, we'll link, link to it. that, yeah. yeah, that testimony because uh-huh. it's just so powerful. Um, another thing I'm loving on the way out here, I was listening to Tim McGraw, the song Humble and Kind. Okay. Love, Love that it. because it made me start crying in the car, Aww. thinking about my boys uh-huh. and just saying, yeah. I want you to grow up and be That's less. what I want too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, humble and kind. Love it. Um, and for all of us, you know, that that is a good reminder. Um, I'm also loving these little um, headbands from Amazon. <laughs> Anything so, you get on Amazon is a friend of mine. I know. It's this little, it's the little things in life that like when I see it, it makes me smile. So yeah. it's like these little like shower headband things. It's not a shower cap. It's oh, I was going to ask. It's a headband that has a bow on it. It's real cute. You get so it's pack not three. for the shower. No, oh. it's to take your makeup off at night or to do your makeup in the morning. It pulls your hair oh, out see. of your face, but it doesn't mess up your hair. Okay, so it's so, not a headband you wear out of your house. No. Okay, got it. It's like a getting ready or getting ready to go to bed or getting ready for the day. You keep it on your counter next to your counter time. Do you, I do use counter time. Me too. Pink. Do you wash your That's face twice a day? That's because we're over 30, Jamie. I know. Do you wash your face twice we, a day? Yes, and you need to do a better job of this. I don't. I know. I didn't wash my face last night or this morning. Uh, you've got great skin for that. Counter time. <laughs> <laughs> it's a counter time. No, I really just started using that uh, over the last six months, but I really yeah, like it. But 
Uh, it's, a, it's a nice routine. I love that too. And so maybe I need maybe I need a good headband to help me wash my face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can I say one more thing? Yeah. Um, Conscious Goods was at this pop up we did last night. It was a market, and I was there at beauty counter, and they have these like bath bombs. Conscious uh-huh. Goods. I don't uh-huh. know. It's it's called Healing Waters. So when I got home last night, I popped one of those bad boys into my bathtub. It was amazing. You're a bath girl. Every day. Uh, oh, really? It is my solace. Okay, we have a friend. I'm not going to, don't say her name if you know who I'm talking about. Okay. We're not going to call her out. She takes baths every time she's in a hotel, multiple times a day. If there's a bathtub, she's in it. Like it may be like, she might come home for just a few hours. She will take a bath because she loves it so much. My friends who are listening who know me are laughing right now. Is this you? It's me. Do you know who I'm talking about? No. Okay, I'll tell you after. Okay. I mean, same. I get so sad if there's not a bathtub in a, in a hotel room. Uh, when I'm our, we are down to one bathroom at our house. Our bathtub stopped working about, I don't know, four months ago. <sighs> I've taken a bath. No. Well, every time I'm in a hotel, if they have a nice bathtub, I'll take one. And some people are completely grossed out by that. Well, <laughs> I'm like, I, I definitely make sure it's clean. I mean, I gave it a good look over, but yeah. you know. I do too. Maybe I walked out of there with some no, STD I, I, or something. I hope not. <laughs> Someone tell me, can you get an STD from a bathtub at a hotel? Oh, Lord. I sure hope not. All the moms are like, kid, I'm going to tell you later what an STD is. <laughs> <laughs> well, we already said vagina and vagina. So, yeah. And actually, I think it's technically an STI now. Is what really? They call it. Yeah, infections. Oh. I think it encompasses more. Okay. So they changed it. Okay, got it. Well, can I get an SCI? Yeah. And so I love a bath too, and I've been missing one, but I love bath bombs too. Yes. So I'm yeah. loving that. Yeah. Um, books I'm reading. So one I'm reading right now that I just finished is, um, and I sent it to you. It's called um, Awful Beautiful Life. I got it. And um, so when I was in college at UT, I met um, the Powell family, um, Becky and her husband, Mark. And their kids. Actually, one of them wasn't born yet when I met them, but um, they're their baby yet, their third. But um, I met them through Young Life. They were on the committee and they were looking for a babysitter and I was looking for a job. And long story short, as I started babysitting for them all the way through and they became like a second family to me, just dear friends. And um, six years ago, right after Jude was born, just a couple of months later, Mark committed suicide. And it was really horrific. And Becky, six years later, has written a story of how their family has um, recovered from that. I mean, they're not, you never recover, but how they are recovering, right, yeah. um, uh, on that journey. And, you know, she would say it was, it's a lot of F words, yeah. she said, but faith, family, friends. Um, oh, that's not what I was thinking. I know. Well, there was say. that word too, she okay. said. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We'll give it to her. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll give it and, to her. And um, on top of it, it wasn't just that he— um, that he took his life and that they were young children. It was that also he left them millions of dollars in debt um, because he had been borrowing money um, or taking these loans and promising these high interest returns and um, and it, you know, all imploded. And so she was, um, you know, going through an FBI investigation. So not only had her husband killed himself and the children lost their father, but she's also under investigation, you know, could face jail time uh, for something she didn't know about, you know? And so it was just terrifying on so many levels. And um, so she has written this story and it's um, beautiful. I, because I am so, they are so dear to me, all of them. Um, I cried, you know, in the first few chapters of this book, like weeping in bed. So um, I don't know. I, I think it's I think it's hard to read for anybody. Um, certainly people who are close to the story are gonna have 
a really strong yeah. bet. Um, and then uh, another book I'm reading right now is Be the Bridge, Tasha's <gasps> new book. It's so good. Yeah, and I'm super excited because I just started it. So that our our entire staff, African New Life, we're reading it together. And then she's Stateside? coming. Stateside. Okay. And she's coming in February to lead us through an intensive, our entire staff. Love it. And then um, she, in the future, we're also going to be doing it in Rwanda too. She did a workshop this summer with our Rwanda team and we're going to be, it was just kind of the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. There's so much more to do. Um, and so I'm just so grateful for her friendship. She's come multiple times and that she's really um, committed uh, to us yeah. as a staff, both on both sides of the ocean. I love it. Uh, Tasha Morrison's been on the happy hour twice. We read her book in book club this year, mm -hmm. uh, Be the Bridge. I have recommended it a million times. It is the perfect book for someone who is knee deep in racial reconciliation or who is on the edge thinking about how does this affect my life? Mm -hmm. There's something in there for everybody. Um, and you just did a plug. If you want Tasha to come in and do something with your organization, yeah. contact her. That's right. Because she does that. So Natalie, we're flying to Rwanda in two days. I know. And um, I can't wait to experience uh, all the things African New Life is doing for the communities they're in and the children that are going to have meals because we're going to raise $75,000 plus that's dollars, right. um, on this trip. And so thanks for letting me be a part. Yeah, thank you for saying yes. Friends, I cannot wait to head to Rwanda. Make sure that you're following me over on my Instagram, which is at Jamie Ivy, so that you don't miss any part of our Food for Tomorrow trip with Africa New Life. Like I said, my son Caden will be there. So basically have my own personal videographer and photographer on this trip. So you're going to get to see everything we're doing. Thank you, Natalie, for being on the happy hour. I'm so honored to hear your story to motherhood and now to get to see firsthand the work that God has had you be a part of for the past 10 years. Friends, also, I keep saying this, but happy 2020. It's a new decade. And so we thought it'd be fun to talk to a few friends about what life was like for them 10 years ago, how life has changed and what the year 2010 brought them, what the last decade has brought them and what they hope for over the next 10 years. Be sure to listen to Your Last Decade. It's a special edition happy hour releasing on Fridays. And spoiler alert, I am bringing men on this show. Last week, you heard my husband, Aaron, and me talk about what life was like for us over the past decade. And this Friday, I'm bringing you a conversation with my friend and former Texas Longhorn quarterback, Colt McCoy. Coming up next, I sit with Laura Tremaine and Nick Runyon. You're going to hear stories of adoption, of professional athletes, of fatherhood. A lot of the things you're going to hear is about how a lot of long, hard roads have taken them to where they are now. One step at a time, one foot in for the other. From quitting jobs, to starting new things, to starting families, to changing careers. So much fun in these special edition episodes. Our hope in all of these shows is that you too can reflect on your last decade. Whether you were 23 or 65 or 12, 10 years ago, that you'd be able to look back and see what God has done in your life and where he has brought you. How have you persevered? How have you screwed up? What would you do differently? And what are you so very proud of? Also, looking back always causes me to look forward. So my question for us today is, what do you hope to see happen in your next decade? Listen on Fridays and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Today's show is edited by Chris with Podshaper, and the music was developed for the show by Matt Graham. Show notes are written by Aki Slackers, and the whole thing is organized by Lindsay Sweeney. Did you hear last week's show with Beth Moore? And did you hear our end of the recap with my husband on Christmas Day? Both of those shows came out on Christmas Day and New Year's Day, so I know it has been crazy and you might have missed them. If you miss those shows because of the holidays, I highly suggest you go listen to them because they're super duper good. My guest next week is Rachel Myers with She Reads Truth. It was such a joy to have this friend in the studio. 
Our conversation is just like a happy hour with a girlfriend. We talk about kids. We talk about pulling back on some things. The tension of things that we are feeling in the midst of suffering. And Rachel shares this amazing things she's loving. Like seriously, wait till you see the shoes that she's loving. I love them now too. Guys, enjoy your week. Have a happy hour with a friend. Share the show with a girlfriend. And I will see you back here next week with my friend, Rachel Myers. But first, your last decade on Friday with my friend, Colt McCoy. See you later, guys. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.